1: Yazari on the call and Eva has written a book called The Good Your Money Can Do. And this is something that I think is really especially of interest and important because I actually you know in real estate investing and we've talked about this time and time again and 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 just a few episodes ago uh, we ha- I had on uh, Rod Cleef and Rod and I spent a good 40 minutes 30 40 minutes talking about goal setting and and everything but I don't think we as a lot of real estate investors have sat down and planned this out and and thought about how our money and how it, how the good it can actually do, I think and I think that's actually as important as anything else. So I really appreciate you being on the show.
2: I'm really happy to be here, Jack. It's such a pleasure to be with you. And also, as a, as somewhat of a real estate investor myself personally, I have been able to think about what makes real estate an optimal sector for doing good with your money and i'm happy to looking forward looking forward to unpacking that with you
1: yeah so um uh, make sure everybody check this out uh, the, his, her podcast is at, she's at a, has a podcast it's called the beyond capital podcast so i'm sure you delve into this quite often there and i know you have uh, real estate investors that cycle through there on occasion uh, and have some great conversations but go to thegoodyourmoneycan.do.com, um, great domain name, and then the book is also called "The Good Your Money Can Do." So uh, make, head that, head over to uh, Amazon for that. Um, but you know, first of all, I'm I'm always curious. Like, what made you decide to write a book about this topic?
2: Yeah, great question. Well, um, I, I worked on Wall Street, um, and uh, I was. Working on Wall Street during this subprime mortgage crisis. So I don't know how that how that's played into your conversations over the years, but um, mm-hmm. was certainly an event for me and is ah is actually a topic um, that and an anecdote that I share in the book. But um, I was very fortunate to advance in the hedge fund business, um get to spend a lot of time with what we call activist hedge fund managers, those that kind of rattle the cage, um corporate almost kind of corporate raider types. And I thought a lot about what more money could do and how, frankly, the best thing that money can do is good. And I, so I actually left Wall Street to try to figure out what that meant for me and ended up starting a venture capital fund that I've been running for the past 12 years. But I was basically living in two worlds. Um, I was living in the world of VC, uh, where I had an impact component, the social impact component to my work. And then I was living in the world of you know, my friends, Professionals, whoever they were, um, whether they were finance or doctors or lawyers or consultants, and I could see that there was no connection between my friends and my my kind of social networks and then my professional networks and my social networks had no clue how to align their values with their money. And so I wrote this book uh, to inspire readers to think about their money as a force for good, to find a way to clean up their money. I mean, we've lived in a world where we're cleaning up everything, what we eat, maybe even our cleaning products at home. We've never really thought about our money, and I think when you start thinking about what more your money can do, the good your money can do, you can apply it to all different sectors including real estate.
1: Sure. Well, you know, you you just mentioned values. Um I actually think that that is something that is a particular interest. Like I don't think people have taken the time to actually sit down and define their values and then apply that towards their investing?
2: Yeah, Jack, it would take us all an hour to sit down with a piece of paper and start that process. And as a hard-nosed investor, I would also say that it would enable a more systematic approach to the good our money can do. It wouldn't just be Oh, well, my friend asked me to contribute to this cause. It would be wow! I know that opportunity zones are a great place to get started with my real estate portfolio, and I know somebody actually that runs an opportunity zone fund. And so, I'm going to go talk to that person and align my values more with my money. If you know those stated values happen to be um, in line with you know what the fund is investing in, so I think really it does start with the process of defining your values maybe asking yourself, how are you brought up? What were some of your family values? What are even some of your biases that you're working on today? And how can they be incorporated into your money as a way to express those values?
1: Mm-hmm. So are you saying that only the way you're investing your money, but, you know, um, see what, what I'm trying to get at is that in most scenarios, like we've been trained and we've been talked about, you know, whether you're uh, investing a 401k or an IRA, you kind of put your money in there, kind of set it and forget it. Um, Mm -hmm. in most cases, I don't know what companies are a part of that portfolio, uh, let alone, you know, there might be companies in there as, as a value I might not approve of, but I'm just kind of blindly throwing it in there. Is that kind of one of the aspects?
2: Yeah. Well, I think, Everybody who listens to this podcast could resonate with the fact that we care about our career. You know, we care about our families, we care about our consumer choices, we stick to our values in those areas, and we we typically know our worth, but we don't really think about it when we think about our money because we're taught to save, spend, and invest, Mm -hmm. and that's it. As you say, set it and forget it, which is you know, it's a great strategy for wealth for wealth building for wealth preservation over time. Um, because, you know, in the end, markets do tend to rise in the long term. But ultimately, I think what you do miss is that your money may not be aligned with your values. And you might wake up one day thinking, whether it's the climate emergency, or whether you know, you want to see a world that's more representative of everybody on the planet, you might wake up one day and realize that your money is not aligned with your values. And a couple examples of that Include, you know, as you rightly pointed out, companies in your portfolio that that you know may may be harmful to areas that you think should be um, better impacted, but also where your money sleeps at night. So mm-hmm. in my book, we talk about where your money is put in a bank, and then where it might be loaned out. It could actually be antithetical to your values. And I personally um am, have kind of gone down the research path of understanding where money can be lent in more local communities, um, or even to real estate projects um, that are local, rather than at a massive scale to big companies um, that you know probably aren't fully representing what we all care about as basic and kind of normal citizens.
1: Well, you know, when I was looking through your book, uh, one of the chapters here that what I think you're leading to is even now I'm, it's probably going to even be amplified. Uh, chapter three is called the moral imperative of doing good. I mean, yeah. there's a moral obligation there in order to, uh, to, for your investing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think where we are in the world today, I think climate change is probably number one. Um, it's happening. Uh, and the reality is we do have a moral imperative to invest in a way that helps to stop it. I mean, I have children and I think that one of the best motivators is to ask investors to think about the world that they're leaving for their kids. But one of the most exciting opportunities of the good your money can do is that it is not a trade-off with financial return and that's a myth. So there are, there's pretty much every single asset class that you want to invest in. And again, knowing this is focused on real estate um, there are many opportunities where there can be similar yields, similar returns to what investors are getting on perhaps less impactful opportunities. Um, so, so just kind of coming back to the moral imperative, um, I think it couples really well with an opportunity. And I, I try, I am a glass half full person. I tend to shy away from the the problems and really only focusing on the problem. So I flip that coin really quickly, but I also am very grateful for my own personal upbringing, my privilege, and where I am today. And I I do believe that I have the responsibility to do good with my resources.
1: Yeah. And I I, I want to make sure that you don't feel limited that we are talking on a real estate investing podcast because... I I have I, it's just been one of my personal battles. I feel like as real estate investors, we get very hyper focused, we get blinders on, and there's a bigger part of the conversation when it comes to our finances that we need to be mm-hmm. a part of that conversation. We have we can't limit ourselves either.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think well, first of all, one of the premises of my book is that wealth is more than money. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just your money, it is your relationships, your voice, your social networks, your resources that go beyond money. Maybe it's your skills that you have. And I think that using the framework of what what I call conscious investing is thinking about how you're using all of your resources to align with your values. And so real estate investor or not, that's a very powerful thing to do, to wake up every single day, knowing that you are fully walking the, the talk. Um, And the ways, the kind of ways that I describe it in the book are, of course, you know, starting with, we've mentioned the bank account, starting with thinking about your investments. Um, Do you want to be more active with aligning them with your values and pointing out particular issue areas and then, you know, implementing that in your portfolio? Or do you want to be more passive and say, I'm okay with a fund that just does no harm because that's, Mm -hmm. that is very widely available, but then stepping outside of your money, there is your consumer choices. Your active citizenry, if you don't agree, or you're even just voting and using democracy as a verb, quote unquote, which is um, a quote from a family member of mine that was in politics for a number of years. So, in general, I think the whole life strategy is really the mindset shift that happens that starts to open up so many possibilities. And, and as an investor myself, when I brought in concepts from other disciplines, And and became a little bit more creative with my approach. It really influenced my investing as well. So I couldn't agree with you more that thinking of outside of the real the real estate box is very important for investors.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things that um, between you know, I I, everybody who listens to the show has has heard me not only praise rich dad poor dad. You know, everybody has read that book. Love that. But uh, go giver. You know, I, I, if you've ever read Go-Giver, that's, that's another one of these books that basically talks directly to what you're saying is that, and I don't, I don't think we spend that time, you know, now that I'm even talking to you is like the first time in a while that I've considered that it's just not the money that we can invest in, you know, use as an investment, but our time and resources and skills is also an investment whether it's in your community or whether it's towards an organization or a or a cause.
2: Absolutely. I mean to give you an example from my own life. I went to an all-girls university and it took me about a decade to kind of circle back and I was very busy. I had two children, you know, 15 years since I had graduated, I've had two kids and built my family, but now I sit on one of their leadership councils and it is an important component of my life to give skills back to young budding entrepreneurs that are interested in, in starting businesses because I, that's what I do. I look at, look at startups all day long in my, in my work. And so whatever that is for you and whatever that is for your listener, I think it can be really empowering to use those resources. And then we create a world where we don't necessarily have a hierarchy of wealth where it isn't the the haves and the have-nots. And I think it is problematic that the billionaires of the world dictate where philanthropy goes. And I think it would be nice if, you know, we could talk to our neighbors about where they're contributing to socially or environmentally and connect around those issues. And generally there are groups, I think, that are told that money is not for them, particularly women, particularly lower earners. Um, And in general, the concept of conscious investing and investing with your values really opens up, up that discussion because we can talk about so much more than just financial return.
1: Sure. So, just to remind everybody, head over to thegoodyourmoneycando.com. That's going to give you information regarding the book and some additional resources. And then check out uh, the podcast, the Beyond Capital podcast, um, available on your favorite podcasting app. Um, Absolutely. But you know, I, I always like to just give people uh, some takeaway and some actionable things that they can do now. Like, they, yep. is that, is, is there like, like where, if they want to make a conscious effort to do what you're suggesting, where, where should they start?
2: Yeah. Well, the book is a playbook. So, um, you know, picking up the book is a great way to have that playbook right in front of you. But essentially, as we talked about previously, it is about defining your values and knowing what you own. So take a look at what you own, take a look at what you're buying, cultivate what we call wealth consciousness, the Mm -hmm. awareness of where your money and time and resources are being utilized and ask yourself, does that line up with your values? If it does, awesome. If it doesn't, you might want to make some changes. And I like to say, you know, we're living in a time where we are lucky enough to, have a material impact on the social on a social problem or an environmental problem in many ways with little sacrifice to our own lives. And so we're very lucky that we're kind of living at this turning point where there are so many opportunities to incorporate our values into our daily lives. But again, not really needing a trade-off on financial return. All the products are still as good as, you know, the organic cotton is even better. Um, and so I think that that motivator is really important, but I would say aside from defining your values and sitting down and doing that, it's really knowing what you own and cultivating this awareness of connecting to what you own. And then you can start to go out and find ways to incorporate more of it, more of your values into all of, all of your areas of wealth.
1: Sure. No, that that makes a lot of sense. You, you um, when you, when you're defining this, is it good to sit down with your, like if you're married a significant other and kind of so that you're a lot, you got that aligned goals together.
2: I do think if you're investing with a partner, that is helpful to align around those particular areas Um, because, you know, I think it is better to kind of focus. Um, It can be harder to have five different areas of focus and truly zero in on all of them. Um, as you could, as I mentioned thematically, you know, some of the areas that I'm very focused on right now are gender and climate and also, um, just diversity and inclusion in general, but my spouse is also aligned with that. Mm -hmm. And, um, we are very lucky that we have typically very, very similar things that we're focused on, but I do think it is important to sit down with your spouse. Um, I would say to maybe all of your female listeners though, you know, know that know that you know the kind of wealth consciousness that is a narrative that 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 has been told to women did i cut out
1: yeah you cut out there and i think it was an important piece so i was hoping maybe okay. you could back up like 20 seconds there and try to say that again yeah
2: yeah and i th- i think when you i would say to all of the female listeners out there know that the language of money is something that you can master too And is, you know, really important for you to be a part of that conversation. And personally, I found in my own marriage that the equality in the relationship has been expressed in how we view equality in the world, which is why we're focused on, I mentioned, you know, gender equality and diversity and inclusion. Um, But I actually think it really does start in the couple. So that's a great question. And it is important because you do need to focus a little bit to make an impact.
1: Yeah, I might have asked it in a strange way, but in in uh what I was trying to get at is that you know, not only are we a lot of investors probably are like the first time they've actually sat down and thought about writing down their values, but it might be the first time they've sat down and expressed it and communicated that with their significant other. I mean, it's uh it's something that you really have to be honest with yourself about.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And it can be, it can be a tough process. I mean, it could be a process that requires some deeper soul searching and, and thinking Um, it may not come, you know, roll off the tip of your tongue, but I, I think it, I think it actually can bring families together. And I like to use the example of having children as one that um, helps strengthen the case for conscious investing. My kids, my daughters too, but my son comes home from school and asks about Trash Island, and he started the environmental club in his classroom, and um, he's very interested in in knowing about the health of our planet. And I set up a small debit for him every month into an ESG screen fund that is pro environment and not investing in companies that are doing harm to the environment. And we talk about what's in that fund and why, and it has opened up a whole new way to have a conversation rather than okay, your money is in a bank, it's in a, you know, it's in a Mm. fund, the fund is traded on the whatever stock exchange, it really has created a new entry point for that conversation around money with a child. And so I think that that can be really powerful to have that as a glue within a family.
1: No, that's, that's a great lesson, especially with the kids, because uh, Mm -hmm. I struggled with some of those when you're, when you're talking, I got both of my kids are, are quickly, well, they are teenagers now, and it, and uh, having those type of conversations, it's, they're becoming more and more aware every day of, mm-hmm. of the things that are happening in this world. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, no, this this has been a great conversation. I usually um, wrap things up by asking you one last question, but before I do, I want to yeah. make sure everybody has your contact information again, head over to the goodyourmoneycando.com uh, the Beyond Capital podcast. And my last question to you is, was there a question you wished I would have asked you today? <laughs> it's a gotcha, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is a hard <laughs> one. I have to say it's, it's you know, I, I, I think really, I guess the question I like to answer is what's the biggest lesson I've learned through this journey? Like what's the most powerful Sure. message for me. And, and ultimately it's that no investment is neutral. It's that everything we do, it's it, it, this is a simple and poignant statement, but everything we do has a, has a positive, a negative or a negative impact. Mm-hmm. And real estate or not real estate, when making an investment, thinking about all stakeholders is the key to this. Investing in leaders that are thinking about all stakeholders is the key to this because It means that while while these conversations may be complicated around, you know, how do I value my customers versus my shareholders versus the environment versus the local community versus the government, all of these different stakeholders, um, being aware of them is really the best starting point for creating investments that have positive social and environmental impact. And so for me, that's been the most powerful messaging in making my money more consistent with my values and cleaning up my money or detoxifying it, however we want to say it. But it's really that no investment that we make is neutral.
1: Sure. No, I really appreciate this. This was a great conversation and and I hope uh, you'd be consider coming back sometime. I think we could, like you said, we probably could spend an hour just talking about the exercise regarding defining your values. And and that might be something that uh, would be if you're up for it, something that we should tackle sometime.
2: Would love that. Would love that because there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. It's not, it's not even just your personal values and what you care about, but it's also maybe some of the qualities that you value in the world. So would love to unpack that with your audience. And I'm so grateful that we had this conversation.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com rei Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time, and tell a friend.